0: we thank you this morning that we serve a faithful God whose promises are true and God that we can stand on those promises knowing that when you've spoken it God that you mean it you're going to come through it may not always look like it in our timing but father as a people we look to you we look to our God and say we trust your timing I pray over each one that's here, God, I don't know who's going through what this morning, but if they're in a situation, God, where they're waiting on that promise, Father, I pray that you would just let us rely on you, learn to look to you, and trust your timing in every situation. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your faithfulness, and we thank you this morning mostly for Jesus, and we thank you for the cross. We love you so much, and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We've been going through First and 2 Samuel, looking at the life of David, learning lessons about David, and uh, when you go through books of the Bible like we're doing, like it's what I believe is best for me to do, I just feel led to to not topical some things. Every now and then we'll do topical sermons, but just to go through the Bible and just go chapter to chapter to chapter and uh, regardless of what the chapter is about, do your best to present it and to learn from it and to see what the Lord uh, purposes for that particular scripture. Now, by doing that, obviously, there are some chapters in the Bible, some verses in the Bible that are hard to put into sermon form. They're hard to preach. I, I don't know how many times it says, Lord, help me not to be real boring this week. Uh, but to find something that you want to say and how to say it that will bring a little more spiritual growth, spiritual awareness of God's presence. And and then uh, there are some chapters that if we were topically talking through, uh, you would skip over, or at least you would be tempted to skip over. And 2 Samuel chapter 13 is one of those chapters. This is not pleasant. It is not feel-good. It is not uh, attendance generating. It's not good for the offering. It's not good for feeling good on Sunday afternoon. But the lessons that are here are extremely important and beneficial. And to be honest with you, could possibly save a family, could possibly save a life from ruin. We're talking about sin. We're talking about the way that sin manifests itself in different ways in people's lives. Not only the characters or the players in the story, but our lives as well. Now, through Jesus, as a believer in Christ, as one of his children, our sin is forgiven. Our sin is not counted against us. It is wiped away. Because our belief in Jesus, we are we are credited as right with God. Okay? Now, the curse or the hold that sin has over us is broken with Christ. His blood breaks the chain, the hold that sin has on us. And that means that there is potential for us. to live free of controlling powers, sinful powers over us. That's the way that is, okay? Now, although we're forgiven of sin, although the power or the chains of sin are broken over us, uh, sin is not held against us. Uh, Perfection, a sinless life, is unattainable. It is not part of the falling nature. The scripture says that. Paul lets us know that. Jesus lets us know that. We must, through faith, through spiritual discipline, through yielding, through obedience, through disciplining ourselves, through exercising spiritually, like Paul talked about the boxer boxes to pretend, I mean, to, to, to practice. He practices, he practice. We must live in such a way that we do not allow sin any longer to make ruin of us. In other words, we have got to be careful with the sin. Even though we're in Christ, we still have that flesh that we all struggle with We struggle with the things of this world. There's going to be ongoing struggle. And the Christian life is not perfection. It's not holy uh, uh, perfection, but it is definitely holy direction. There is a change of life. We do grow in Christ. And as time goes on, we do become more and more and more like Jesus. But we've got to all be careful about sin. Sin will destroy us. Jesus said that He came to give life, and He said Satan, on the other hand, has come to destroy life. He has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And that's in context to life. Sin will indeed destroy a family. Sin will indeed destroy a person. They may even still be in Christ, secure in faith in Christ, yet their life is a mess. And it's a mess because of the choices that are made, and sin is allowed to flourish in them. And it's not subdued, it's not put in place, it's not yielded from, it's not resisted, and sin can take over. And that's what we learn today. We learn the power of sin We learn what happens when people are careless and complacent about sin. Okay? Now, 2 Samuel chapter 13. Now, David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar, and Amnon, her half-brother, fell desperately in love with her. We had an acquaintance in at home in San Angelo through the years. And he's now gone. And his family was, uh, I would say, harmonious, working together. Sure, nothing perfect, no, but, but a few problems here and there, but nothing major. And later in life, the son uh, married his first cousin. And that family fell apart. There was bitterness, resentment, hostility, anger between the dad and the son, between the mom and the dad, and the mom and the son. They just could not get over the fact that first cousins were married because first cousins don't marry. And all the relationships in that family were damaged and broken and very, very painful many, many years of of the family being broken and splintered. Here, you got Amnon obsessing, lusting over his half-sister, Tamar. Now, Amnon, it says in verse 3, had a very crafty friend, his cousin Jonadab. Remember that, crafty. He was the son of David's brother, Shemaiah. One day, Jonadab said to Ammon, what's the trouble Why should the son of a king look so dejected morning after morning? So Amnon told him, I am in love with Tamar, my brother Absalom's sister. Well, Jonadab said, I'll tell you what to do. Now, be careful when anybody says to you, oh, I'll tell you what to do. Man, be careful of those folks, especially if they're really crafty. Be careful who you listen to is one of the great lessons here in this story. Here's Jonadab's story now. To be able to communicate this story to the prince Amnon, the firstborn of David, the first son of David, the rightful heir to the throne, a man that is just David's life away from being the most powerful man in Israel. You gotta know who you're talking to. You gotta know how far they'll go. And, and I think that Jonanadab here, there's no question he's done thought this through. Now he probably thought good on his feet. He's probably reckoned that, that Amnon's a pretty shady fella. And, and Jonanadab, he lives his life to always improve his position. He's always looking for that next job, that next place, more money, more power, more notice. And so Jonadab, who has the gift of persuasion and the gift of speech, he's positioned in Amnon's life. And he says, I'll tell you what you need to do. listen Listen to his scheme here, crafty. Go back to bed and pretend that you are ill. When your father comes to see you, ask him to let Tamar come and prepare some food for you. Tell him you'll feel better if she prepares it as you watch and and feeds you with her own hands. So Amnon lay down and pretended to be sick. And when the king came to see him, Amnon asked, please let my sister Tamar come and cook my favorite dish. Then I can eat it from her own hands. So David agreed. Now, it's easy for me to be hard on David. You agreed to that, David? Did it, didn't, that, didn't that seem really foolish to you? That your grown son is acting like a little child and he's got to have his favorite dish? What do you think it was? Bacon and eggs, pancakes, steak, baked potato. What do you think it was? Mullet stew. Maybe it was mullet stew. Maybe it was mincemeat for all the English folks. Shepherd's pie. Ooh. David goes along with this stupid idea. I mean, what David... Ought to have said, and what it should have got, Amnon, get up and take care of yourself. Are you a little boy? My stars. You're laying in bed like a little kid, and and you want your sister to come take care of you. Just get up and eat some some peanut butter and crackers and get on with it. I don't got time for this. But oh no, David, he just agreed to it. And so Tamar arrived at Amnon's house. She went to the place where he was lying down so he could watch her mix some dough. Then she baked his favorite dish for him, probably raisin or date cake. But when she set the serving tray before him, he refused to eat. Everyone get out of here, Amnon told his servants, so they all left. Then he said to Tamar, "'Now bring the food into my bedroom and feed it to me here.' So Tamar took his favorite dish to him, but as she was feeding him, he grabbed her and demanded, "'Come to bed with me, my darling sister.' "'No, my brother,' she cried. "'Don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. "'Such wicked things are not done in Israel.' Where could I go in my shame? And you would be called one of the greatest fools in Israel. She's given him all she's got. She's reasoning with him. I'm sure that she's saying everything that she can think of to get his attention. Please, she finally says, just speak to the king about it and he will let you marry me. Probably wouldn't have. But obviously, she's using all she can, and that was probably the bottom of the barrel. Now, she says, don't be foolish. Don't do this to me. Such wicked things are not done in Israel, but such wicked things should not be done anywhere. And so that's some pretty good common sense. That's reasonable. Where could I go in my shame? So she sees that this sin is not getting his attention, so maybe her humanity... Maybe her soul, maybe her heart, maybe her being, maybe her being his sister will get his attention. And she says, where will I go in my shame? And you would be called. So obviously that didn't work to draw attention to him. He says, and you would be called one of the greatest fools of Israel. And so she puts it back on him. And by the way, all right, if your mind's made up, talk to the king and maybe he'll let us marry. He'll break all the rules for us. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her, and since he was stronger than she was, he raped her. Then suddenly, Amnon's love turned to hate. Oh, man. That still goes on today, doesn't it? Man, a boy's wooing that girl. If you'll love me, you'll sleep with me. I love you, buys her things, does things for her, woos her, talks about, you know, you need to show how much you love me. I just don't know if I can stay with you unless, you know, we have sex. And she gets weaker and weaker and weaker and she says, no, I I don't want to do that. I think that's wrong. That's not the kind of life I want to live. But then she begins to think she's going to lose him she begins to think that if she doesn't have sex with him, he's going to move on with someone that will. Now, now, ladies, if you get in that situation, let him move on to somebody that will. Let him go. And when he goes, call me and I'll kick him in the you know where and we'll be done with it. Because <laughs> he's not a man. He's not the kind of man you need to be going out with. And the same is true of the boy, but. We're talking about Tamar here. And as soon as he has, he's finished with her, he's done with her. That's what sin does. That's really what sin does. Sin will lie to him. I believe Amnon was lied to by his flesh, by his lust, by his craving for Tamar. And as soon as the act is committed, he can't stand the sight of her. There wasn't any love. It was just lust. There wasn't any desire to to have a relationship with Tamar. It was just to meet the needs he had physically. And it says here in the Bible that after he had raped her, that uh, he, He hated her even more than he had loved her. Get out of here, he snarled her. No, no, Tamar cried. Sending me away now is worse than what you have already done to me. But Amnon wouldn't listen to her. He shouted for his servant and demanded, throw this woman out and lock the door behind her. So the servant put her out and locked the door behind her. She was wearing a long, beautiful robe, as was the custom in those days for the king's virgin daughters. But now Tamar tore her robe and put ashes on her head, and then with her face in her own hands, she went away crying. Her brother Absalom saw her and asked, Is it true? Remember, oh, Oh, Amnon had all the servants leave when Tamar was up there cooking his food for him so they could go retreat to the bedroom. And so Absalom's heard about it. Absalom's heard something. He's in the know here. Absalom saw and asked, Is it true that Amnon has been with you? Well, my sister, keep quiet for now since he's your brother. Don't worry about it. So Tamar lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house. Man, that's like being sentenced to 25 years in the pen for a crime you didn't do. How horrible that is for Tamar. Sin does not care about people. He wants to destroy people. What did Tamar do wrong? She, ref- she should have refused the prince's request. It seemed harmless to her. He's sick. She likes, she knows he likes what she cooks. Obviously, she didn't have a clue that this was about to take place. She was probably just being kind. And, and just being kind gets, ruins her life. That's what sin does. Sin will ruin the lives of the innocent. Now, look in verse 21. When King David heard what had happened, he was very angry. That's it. He was angry about it. Matter of fact, the Dead Sea Scroll uh, script for 2 Samuel that we have here, it has an addition to that. It says, when King David heard about what had happened, he was very angry and did nothing because Amnon was his firstborn son and he loved him. He did nothing. He didn't handle it. He was inactive. That's what sin will do. Sin will make even the king a coward. Didn't want to ruffle any friends. David, your your daughter was just raped by your son. It's very clear in Leviticus. This is not to happen. And if it happens, then he is to be penalized. There needs to be some justice here. He needs to be sent away, as Leviticus says. He needs to lose the right for for the throne. He needs to have all his rights and privileges removed. He needs to be punished for his deed. If you don't punish him, if you don't take care of this, your family is going to suffer. And man, does that happen. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Belhazer near Ephraim. Now, screw me, verse 22 before we get there. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, following his dad's example. He hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. So that's Absalom. Doesn't speak to Amnon about it. David doesn't handle the situation. Absalom hates Amnon, sure enough. You can see that, right? Two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Baal Hazard near Ephraim, Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to the feast. He went to the king and said, my sheep shears are now at work. Would the king and his servants please come to celebrate this occasion with me? The king replied, no, my son, if we all came, we would be much of a burden for you. Absalom pressed him, but the king would not come, though he, though he gave Absalom his blessing. Well, then Absalom said, if you can't come, with, come, how about send my brother Amnon with us? Why, Amnon, the king asked. Not too shrewd, is he? He, David is not up on connecting dots right now. But Absalom kept on pressing the king until he finally agreed to let all his sons attend, including Amnon. So Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk. Then at my signal, kill him. Don't be afraid. I'm the one who was given the command. Take courage and do it. So at Absalom's signal they murdered Amnon. Then the older sons of the king jumped on their mules and fled. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? They jumped on their mules and fled. It took them all day to get out of daylight, but that's It was a slow process. As they were on the way back to Jerusalem, this report reached David. Absalom has killed all the king's sons. Not one is left alive. Bad news can sure travel fast, and wrong news can sure travel fast. The king got up, tore his robe, and threw himself on the ground. His advisors also tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. But then, but just then, Jonadab, he shows up. Opportunity. That old boy, he's crafty. The son of David's brother Shimei arrived and said, no, don't believe that all the king's sons have been killed. It was only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. Well, that piece of information David could have had. But that would lose the power that Jonadab had it over people. Be real careful of people in your life that love gossip. Be real careful for those people in your life that love a secret. And they delight when they tell you that secret. Do you know about Uncle Bubba? Uncle Bubba did this. Be careful. That's Jonah Dab. No, my lord, the king, your sons aren't all dead. It was only Amnon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. Then the watchman on the Jerusalem wall saw a great crowd coming down the hill on the road from the west. He ran to tell the king, I see a crowd of people coming from the Heronian road along the side of the hill. Look, Jonadab told the king. There they are now. I can see Jonadab going, I'm the one that told him. I'm the one that told him. Any information you got out there? funnel through me. I got the king's ear. Look, Jonadab told the king, "They, there they are now. The king's sons are coming just as I said. They soon arrived weeping and sobbing and the king and all his servants wept bitterly with them. And David mourned many days for his son Amnon. Abs- Absalom fled to his grandfather, Talmai, son of Amihad, the king of Geshur. He stayed there in Geshur in For three years, and King David now reconciled to Amnon's death. Longed to be reunited with his son Absalom. All right. Took a long time to get through all that. You got the story down, there's five players. Amnon, Jonadab, David, Absalom, and Tamar. Amnon, the sin in his life, selfishness. He was a selfish, selfish man. Only concerned with his own needs. Be careful of selfishness. Lust. Out of control with lust. It said that he was obsessed with her. Be careful with lust. Avoid all things that pertain to lust. Be careful because lust will control you. He saw Tamar as an object and not a person. That's what sin will do. Sin caused him not to listen to reason, not to listen to common sense, and not to be open to the word of the Lord. Be real careful when you have this thought. I know what the Bible says, but you know, I'm going to live my life. Oh, be careful. You're playing with fire. You don't have any idea what that sin might potentially lead to in your life. And there's no question, he didn't respect no. He didn't respect Tamar, so he didn't respect no. He didn't listen to no. The Me Too movement that's been talked about a lot the last year or so, it's, it's been, a, been, been around a long time. Absalom did not listen to No. And one of the results of sin in your life is you will not respect no. You will not respect the other person. And that's Amnon. Jonadab, crafty, skilled, didn't use his talent for good, rather use his talent for evil. Can you imagine what Jonadab could have done, could have been the kind of influence he could have had. He was given a gift. He could persuade. He could communicate the gift of the tongue, but he used it for evil. Be careful. Be careful about those who know how to push the right buttons in you. Be careful you don't allow toxic people to control you. Be careful. Satan wants to use them to ruin our life. There's David. Now, David did get angry, but he didn't do anything. He's the dad. He's the king. He's the patron of the family. David needed to step up and say, wait a minute. This is not tolerated in our family. We do not allow (coughs) this kind of injustice to happen. But he didn't do it. He didn't do it. It says because Amnon, you know, he's that prized prince, going to be the king. He loved him. What about Tamar, David? Talking about, you know, favoring one over another, favoring the son over the daughter. He didn't do anything. Absalom. The lesson from Absalom is this. If you let hatred fester in you, it will become uncontrollable. It will become uncontrollable. Now, you may be justified in what someone's done to you, but you're not justified in hating them. Do you know that? Now... It is clear to me in the Scripture that one of the reasons why we are commanded not to ha- hold grudges, not to be unforgiving, not to, to uh, plot revenge, not want to get ahead, not wanting to get even with people, is because we can't handle it. It will destroy us. Now, someone may have wronged you, and in the court of law, you may be able to explain the wrong or the injustice that was done to you, but the hate that comes along with that, you you know, you, you can't handle that. So you may need to square away with some disagreement and injustice, but guard yourself against the hate because it's not good for you and it's not good for other relationships in your life. You can hate one person and that will impact your relationship with your family. It will sour you. It will make you bitter. It will make you cynical. It will make you resent people. Any reminder and other people about that person you hate, it will reach up and knock you in the head. Absalom did not deal with Amnon now, David should have made it possible for him to deal with Amnon, but David didn't follow through, and so Absalom doesn't follow through and do the right thing and talk to Amnon and talk about this situation and make sure that Tamar is rescued from the, the life of being desolated, isolated from everyone. No, Absalom allowed hate to fester, and it ended up in Murder. And then there's Tamar. She's just the victim of other people's sin. She's abandoned. She's thrown away. And sin does that to victims of sin. She's defiled. She's deemed as worthless. She's deemed as socially outcast. That's what sin does. Sin always exalts the wrong people. Sin always exalts the wrong things. And Tamar is the victim here. This story clearly tells us and the stories in the Bible have purposes and they're for our benefit. Some encourage faith. Some encourage love. Some encourage uh, how we need to operate in life. And some stories are to warn us. And 2 Samuel is to warn us about the power of sin in our life. Amnon Selfish. Jonadab, crafty, but he used it for evil. David, didn't handle business. Didn't man up. Absalom, he let the hatred build. And I think the person in this story that shows us our great need for Jesus and our great need for the gospel and our great need for love and mercy and forgiveness and His sacrifice on the cross is Tamar. I I, I just want someone to go sit in that room with her and say, Tamar, it wasn't your fault. Tamar, you are not bruised. You are not ugly. You are not discarded. You are not. You are not hopeless in your life. There's, there's, chance for you. You can become a new person in Christ. God sees you differently. Rise up. Face your 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 judgmental people here. Face those who slander you. Face those who talk to you. That's not who you are. Rise up in Christ. Rise up in. Mercy and forgiveness and love and hope. Every one of these guys needs that. And there's forgiveness for each one of these guys. Even Absalom's murder, there's forgiveness. But but be warned today. Listen carefully today. Don't discount what we're talking about today. Don't become so preoccupied with all the events that you don't take seriously sin that's in your life. Because just like these people, it will ruin your life. Amnon's life is ruined, dies two years later, at the hand of his brother Absalom. Absalom's life is ruined. We'll we'll see more of that. David experienced grief upon grief because he did not obey God. David was told, your family is going to be in rebellion because of this sin that he had committed and that he had contempt for the word of the Lord. And Jonadab, now, he didn't have any friends. I guarantee you, Jonadab, he he ran shy of people that cared about him because he's one of those guys that you didn't really want around anymore. You got tired of his scheme. Anybody didn't come up with that quick of a scheme how to get rid of, how to harm someone like that, they, they don't have a good life. That sin had him so worked around and just beat up. And then, of course, there's Tamar. The good news is, regardless of victim or victimizer, God's grace is sufficient. What sin are you letting hang around? What sins are in control of you? Help us, help us today, Lord, to learn, to grow from this. Help us, Lord, to apply these scriptures that, that we have read today. Help us to learn from Amnon, Jonadab, David, Absalom, and Tamar. Lord, I, I reckon each one of us identify with something in these people's lives. Father, help us to, to learn to trust in you, to believe in you, for the recovery, for the reconciliation, for the forgiveness, for the hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Ushers, come forth.